One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Lee, it's November. We're working our way towards Thanksgiving it's fall, and this time of year, I always think of, like, uh, the first Thanksgiving and the pilgrims and the turkey and, uh, you know, colonial America Mayflower. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plymouth Rock. Yeah. But you know what that always leads me to? What? Is witchcraft. No, Puritans... Oh, Salem. Guys, we are going to do a special two-parter on the Salem Witchcraft Trials. Mike, roll it. You are listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. Your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in, because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Funk Master B, setting up that tea for the duo of dumb foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee. Of course I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe, why would we be the only living species? Bigfoot, Nazi, all that stuff, it's gotta be real. How are we to say that we're the only ones? It's just ignorance. I think aliens are not only from other planets, but they're time travelers. Welcome back to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your home for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and all things supernatural. I'm one half of your hosting duo. Bye, Felicia. Oh, that's her name, Felicia. Oh, man, B. Thanks for introducing me, um, because I've seen just about every other part of her today. She was literally spilling out of those fishnets, bud. Sorry, boys. That's my girl, Felicia. She's thicker than a snicker. That is, B, seriously, that's a whole lot of woman. Like, that, that, that was a lot of Lee, lady. Lee, 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 lay off lady. a funk master. Lay off a funk master. He's laying down the funk. B, thank you for that excellent intro, my man. Um, but hey, can you like not have your hose interrupt the show anymore? Thanks, dude. Uh, <laughs> can you just yeah, not you have him over have... anymore? That'd be great. Like, you, you know, you know what? Just have him kick him out before we start. It's okay. It's all right. You're cool, B. Uh, dude, it smells like sex and semen in here, which is ironically what sex smells like. <laughs> Wow. Um, anyways, guys, like I was saying, this is the Beyond Terrestrial podcast. The Haunted Barn Studios have been taken over by Funkmaster B, um, but he's a cool dude. Um, guys, I, I, I don't he's know where I'm going my with wine. This. Oh, good on you, thanks, bud. See, I'm a classy you, lady today. I'm drinking wine. Ooh, look at you, so fancy. Yeah. Um. Wow. This show is off to a rocky start, Lee. Well, rocky. It's a rocky subject. It's got some twists Ooh. and turns. It does. There's a lot to this one. Somebody and I think it's going to be a two-parter. Oh, yeah. True. Facts. Ooh. I like how you segued that in there. That's good. Yeah. You're welcome. 
Um, you better hurry. Anyways, I'm like halfway if you through don't this know, bottle. it's gonna get awkward. If you don't know, I'm Dan. That's Lee. Um, I'm recording just down from where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. Lee, where are you at and how's it going? Well, as always, I'm inside the Haunted Barn Studios and I am coming to you from the Bell Witch's backyard. That is Clarksville, Tennessee. And I'm excited because this episode, man, I really did. I did some research this episode. Yes, we've been we've been talking a lot in the last few episodes. We did quite a bit for the president's one. We did some research for that one, um, but then we kind of went on a lull, and now we're deep into this. We got deep in this subject, and it's going to be a two parter. So, uh, I think though, before we get to the cold, rocky shores of New England, we have to mention the hot, sandy deserts of sunny Las Vegas, Nevada, Lee. Oh, yeah, that's where our friends over at Simple Equations Media run their business out of. Simple Equations is an all-inclusive video and audio editing company. Dan knows a little bit more about him. He's going to continue this statement because I have officially gotten lost. (laughs) Yes, uh, I believe the words you're looking for, Lee, are full-service audio video production company. Isn't that what I just Um, said? They... You said all inclusive, like you get free drinks when you go there. Ooh, do you? <laughs> Mike, clear I don't that up think for so. Us. Did you say something about free beer? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but anyways, um, guys, they can take your ideas from pre-production through post-production. If you have a music video you want to shoot for your garage band, if you have a big project, a training video to do at your job. If you're trying to break into TV or film, guys, full Simple Equations Media has got your back. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Simple Equation underscore. Um, and they're, they're great guys to work with. Give them a call. They make us sound good. We are stumbling through this one today, but um, props to them. So... Anyways, Lee, back to New England. Back to New England. Um, that was, ironically, a sequel to, uh, ba- like, well, it was a prequel to Back to the Future, um, but it didn't go over too well. Was, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, New England, really the sequel to England. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> um, and uh, in a, early on, on... Uh, Kind of a weird sequel, right? Yeah, I mean, it takes a weird uh, turn. Um, New England, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. The the prevailing religion was Puritanism, and that religion was uh, a group of people that felt persecuted back in England, and they moved over here to the U.S. Uh, they were what we call the Pilgrims, um, and they right. they established a community in New England. Right, exactly. So everyone knows, uh, you know, the first Thanksgiving, Plymouth Rock, Mayflower Compact, 1620, blah, 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 blah. Um, What a lot of people don't know about Puritans is that it's actually um, kind of a form of Anglicanism, right? So we all know that the English church, uh, the Church of England, split off from the Roman Catholic Church because Henry VIII wanted a divorce, right? Mm -hmm. Classic. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they didn't like how close the Church of England still was to, like, Catholic traditions. Okay. And they were very fervent in their beliefs about um, public confession and reading the Bible for yourself. So they... They were shunned in England. People were like, those guys are crazy. So they came here to America and started what would become the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Yeah, the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Um, yeah, that's what I got, Dan. I'm trying to jump in with, like, prevalent facts, but I've got nothing for this one at this point. Oh, okay, okay. We're talking about settlement of early New England. So, okay. We all know the first Thanksgiving. We've gotten past that. Uh, Plymouth was eventually absorbed into the Massachusetts Bay Colony, right? Yes. Um, And so was Salem. Actually, Salem was founded before Massachusetts Bay Colony. 
it was originally called uh, like Nom Keg. <laughs> of course, of course. That it's was actually, the Indian name for it. That was the Indian. It's name actually for it. the oldest um, like town that still exists in the U.S. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, it predates I mean, Boston. The, it predates them all, I believe. Yes, it does predate Boston. Um, so that is definitely true. Um, so what's cool about Salem is it its story parallels Plymouth a lot. So you know the Puritans arrived at Plymouth. There weren't any Indians around because they had all died off in a plague a few years earlier, around sixteen sixteen. Okay. So when the Puritans show up in uh, Salem, which they had actually moved uh, like south from a an abandoned colony and they moved down to Salem. Um, so when they moved to Salem, there's nobody there. You know, a couple empty wigwams, a nice harbor for fishing. Like, it's actually a pretty good spot. So they set, they set up shop. Perfect. That's what we do. Yes. We move into abandoned places, take it over. I mean, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm in the haunted barn. <laughs> well, you better watch out, man. Bees cutting in on your turf in there. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why I'm drinking the wine. But that that's neither here nor there. So anyways, um, speaking of cutting in on turf, the original settlers of um, Nomkeg, what would become Salem, were mostly... I believe, uh, from the Westerlands of England. And then they had some of these East Anglians, these more Puritans, move in. Um, when uh, There were waves of Puritan immigration to Massachusetts. Um, and so they show up, and they're like, okay, there was some strife a little bit, but they decide to essentially share all the, the colony. Mm-hmm. They worked it out amongst themselves. Um, one of the one of the big guys in this, his name was Endicott. Um, he got a huge grant of land out in the western part of Salem, uh, and these Endicott farms were very near what would become Salem Village and the uh, the hotbed of these witchcraft trials. Yes, Salem Village was an amazing place um, filled with many people that kind of hated each other um, but kept it secret under the guise of religion. Yeah, so and this was very interesting. Um, the In the research I did, um, it was a, from a book called, um, oh my gosh, I should have written that down, A Storm of Witchcraft. Um in the book, they explain why there were, like, all these court cases among the early settlers. Because mm-hmm. um, you see, like, these people going to court over and over and over again for, like, dumb stuff. Like, his cow came onto my land, right? Or that guy's horse kicked over my fence. That sort of stuff. That um, sounds like a typical American uh, way of doing things. Like, just sue them. Isn't that what we do? (laughs) We would expect that now, yeah. You Um, you walk into, like, a grocery store in flip-flops on a rainy day. You slip and fall, but it's the grocery store's fault, right? Right, right, right. Well, the thing is, uh, this was just the way to settle these debates back then. Um, Like, whose land was whose was very up for interpretation back then uh because some of these land grants were just made um like oh i'm gonna grant you some land and i'm gonna grant you some land and i'm gonna grant you some land and it kind of took the courts to determine who actually got what sometimes these land grants overlapped okay so it was very much like oprah was uh giving out um land you get some land. Right, you except get some land. in this case, <laughs> in this case, Oprah was like the king of England. Kind of is. And the, and the governor of the colony. Um, kind of is. Which Massachusetts, very unique, early on, uh, the governors were elected by the, by the freemen, by the voters of Massachusetts. So 
a democratic tradition very early on, and that kind of rubbed the English the wrong way. They didn't like that. Well, I mean, they want to keep their monarchy intact. Right, right. Um, And they wanted their guy in charge. So there there was a lot of civil strife in England around this time. In fact, the English Civil War happened in between the founding of Salem and the Salem Witch Trials. Mm-hmm. And then the monarchy was restored. Um, and so when the monarchy was restored, the king decided uh, that he was going to have a little bit tighter control of his colonies. So ultimately, um, when the monarchy... That, that was like uh, Charles II, I think. I don't know. But anyway, continue. Ultimately, when the monarchy originally fell, the charter um, for the Massachusetts Bay Colony essentially lapsed at that point or was null and void now. Um, And that opened up the door for the Puritans as well as the leadership of the Massachusetts Bay Colony to essentially create their own laws. They were roughly they were fairly well self-governed before but now they have like almost free reign and it kind of right. created a bit of a perfect storm as it were to allow these witch trials to occur. There was no clear and defined law that they could follow um, to a certain extent. Um, they were roughly following what would be referred to as British common law um, but that's not a set of like written down rules. Right. So um Lee's totally right. The charter had been uh had lapsed, had been thrown out by the English. And so you know, I should I should note, like I say English, I pretty much all these people considered them English. So when I say English, I mean Englishmen in England, like the crown. Yeah. Um, so henceforth, we will refer to the crown or th- people in England as yeah. English and the colonies as colonists. Colonists, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm helping. The, the crown appointed a new governor, a guy named William Phipps, and in 1691, him and uh, the very famous Reverend Increase Mather helped create a new charter in England, and they brought it back. Um, And, you know, 1691, these trials all happened in, like, 1692. The 1691 charter said the colony's laws needed to be in line with English law. And so everything that the colonists had passed up till then got thrown out, all their court system, everything. So these trials kind of happen in a time, like Lee was saying, where there is no defined law. The legislature hasn't met to redefine how the judicial system is going to work. Yeah. Um, so ev- eventually what happens, we'll, we'll get into it, but the Salem witch trials happened essentially in an illegal court. Yes. Um, so to kind of give an example... During the time of the Salem Witch Trials, that charter was still being written and finalized, and then it still had to cross the Atlantic with Phipps and Increase Mather. So during the initial start of this this situation, there is no governing body. There is no actual charter, and everybody is in kind of limbo with it. Yeah, and I think... um I know, I know Phipps and them got back to the colonies. Um, this is another important thing to note is there was war happening uh, during this time with the natives. Mm-hmm. Um, there had been uh, King Philip's War and then King William's War. Um, a lot of the area that is now Maine was ravaged by these wars. Um, Maine was part of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Um, per where the se. town, where the, well, it, it, it was 
under the jurisdiction of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Yes, um, and to clarify my statement on that, sorry, in my research, it showed that Maine was its own separate colony. However, it was, uh, when the crown fell, Massachusetts was like, oh no, we're in control now. Yeah, it kind of became this dominion of New England. Like, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut... Um, a bunch of spots were all kind of absorbed into the control of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Yet again, another reason why the crown had to assert its control over the colony with a new charter. Yes. So, um, like, this is like super political background. This is like the prequel series of Star Wars where we're all into the politics of it. <laughs> um, I, I just want to interject get- one joke. I need to say this joke. Okay, do it. The crown falls, the charter goes away, Massachusetts looks at the other New England, um, per se, colonies and says, look at me. Look at me. I'm the king now. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I mean, yeah, essentially. (laughs) Um, So let's get to the war, because that's the part that people like. Yes. Um, Where the city of Portland, Maine now, it... (laughs) That was very poor speech. Where the city of Portland, Maine is now was uh, the colonial town of Falmouth. Okay. And it was wiped out by the Wabanaki tribe and their French allies. Um, So the Puritans, they they did not like the natives. They were considered savages. Um, and in league with the devil. And they did not like the French because they were Catholics. And, of course, the Pope is also in league with the devil. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. The, to Puritans, so anything were... outside their religion was devil. Oh, yeah. Um, Quakers, some of the nicest uh, people who have the reputation for being the nicest people, um, were considered in these colonial times by Puritans to be, you know, devilish. They thought the quaking was like a demonic possession or something. (laughs) Um, And then, get this, Lee, the Quakers let women talk at their meetings. Yeah, that was... uh, Yeah, that was pretty out there. The, The amazing thing, though, is these witch trials completely throw that whole patriarchy on its head for like a a month like several months right like yes (laughs) typically women aren't Um, listened to young women especially they're just blown off right and now uh they're the ones controlling this like they are right yeah um so yeah patriarchy was big uh there was a fear of war um in fact uh you know salem was not that far away from a lot of the fighting and there were people in the county and the surrounding areas who said they saw Indians lurking here and Frenchmen coming down from this place. So there was a lot of suspicion, a lot of paranoia um, around this conflict that was happening. Uh, You know, King William's war, Uh, you know, it's funny. One thing to point out the Puritans couldn't like pronounce a lot of the native names so they would give them english names so like king philip's war is actually just their name for the native chief <laughs> i know how how anglicized is that and like history remembers it as king philip's war oh yeah um oh yeah so there there you go um but yeah, like these wars were devastating to the Puritans and their military uh, actions against the French and the Indians were not very good. Like their counterattacks were repulsed all the time, usually with heavy losses. So like their military endeavors, bad. Um, this happened during the... The Salem witch trials happened during a time called the Maunder Minimum of the Little Ice Age. So the winters were bad. 
That means crops failed. That means the economy was poor. So you have patriarchy. You have war. You have bad economies, cold winters, and a drive for moral reform. Lee, uh, in any of your research, did you see any of this moral reformation that the Puritans were striving for at this time? Yeah, a big part of what, like, they were just, they wanted to be, especially in Salem Village specifically, there had been a um, a, a modification to the, to the church where they opened up these um, covenants to allow more people to become full members of the church and they called this the halfway covenants and essentially as opposed to how other people were able to or had to enter the church which was they had to fully confess in front of the entire congregation all of their sins and they had to essentially humiliate themselves in front of the entire town um to become a part of the church. Well, these ones, these halfway covenants, allowed the person to go meet with the priest alone, confess their sin to the priest. If the sin or if the priest was like, yeah, that's good enough, they could become a part of the church. And it was allowing more people to enter the church. But according to the more devout Puritans, it was allowing more people that were not as spiritually pure as others. Uh, right. And right. that created some strife between Salem Town and Salem Village. Salem Town had the halfway covenant. Salem Village was fighting to not have that halfway covenant. Yes. So this is the religious um, schism that existed between Salem Village and Salem Town. Um, Salem was a really big area originally that encompassed like something like four or five towns now. Yeah. Um, and eventually those areas that were further away from the meeting house would split off. They'd create their own churches. Um, and Salem village was something like seven miles away from Salem town. Um, they wanted to have their own church, but there was... There was strife between the villagers and the townspeople, and there were factions that some of them wanted the halfway covenant, some of them didn't, some of them supported this minister, some of them didn't, um, and it created a ton of problems. In fact, uh, so the Salem Village Parish was not a full church for uh, some time uh, until uh, What's-His-Face Paris shows up. Um, in, in the time before Reverend Paris showed up, they had had like three other ministers over a course of like 16 years, something like that. And this is a time when a minister would normally serve like 20 years in one church. Uh huh. So this was very uncommon for the, for the era. Well, and the other thing with that is just looking at the way it worked. Um, from my research, the essentially the town had to accept the minister, and they referred to that as being ordained, um, which is a little different than the way that we ordain ministers today. Um, what, on the internet? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Dan can marry me, so yeah. <laughs> not him marrying me. I cannot me. Well, actually can, marry you. But <laughs> I'm already married. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to have to get a divorce first, buddy. I can perform weddings. I can perform <laughs> weddings. Yes, that is true. Um, but essentially, these other three ministers just didn't make the cut. Were too, too out there, too accepting of different protocols. And they, they were not ordained by the uh, um, and not accepted by the parish and eventually got washed out by all of them. Right, yes, yes. Um, and one of them, George Burroughs, becomes a very big figure later on in these trials. Yes. Um, but eventually, a dude named Samuel Paris shows up, Reverend Samuel Paris, and he gets the job as the minister 
of the Salem Village Church, which does eventually become its own incorporated church um, with covenants and everything. You had to have uh, a certain number of church members sign a covenant for a new church. Mm -hmm. Um, So they had a bunch of people um, sign this covenant. And, you know, not surprisingly, Lee, um, most of the covenant signers were supporters of Paris. Yes. Um, so we had seen factions form behind ministers early on in Salem. The same thing happened pretty much as soon as Paris showed up, um, especially because this dude drove a hard bargain. Like he he decided he was going to get paid to do this job. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was he was definitely he uh, he he had it in his contract. He wanted firewood and and he he ended up with land which was unheard of. Right. They they deeded the parsonage to him, which was a very strange move. Yes. Um, and this, this was probably supported by, like, the Putnam family. They were big supporters of Paris. Um, so other members of the community are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're giving this guy way too much. He's too strict. We don't really like him. So what they did, Lee, is they just didn't pay their ministerial taxes. Like, the whole town was supposed to pay the minister. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people just held out. They were just like, no, we don't like him, so we're not going to pay. Yeah. Um, And I think that to a certain extent that added to the pressure and the stress that Samuel Paris was under. Um, Not only was he fighting an uphill battle from the beginning— he did have some very strong supporters. The Putnam family, uh, they were very prominent members of the community. They were um, essentially, as far as in Salem Village, they were the, the basically the richest family. Um, there was another family in Salem Town that the Putnams didn't get along with. And I, I'm sorry, Dan, I can't remember the name of that family. Doesn't matter. Okay. So, yes, there was another family. And, in fact, it was part of the forming of Salem Village was so the Putnam family could have more control because the other family from Salem Town had more control than the Putnams did. Um, So, not going back to that, but the Putnams were very in power. And they allowed Paris to really gain his foothold. Problem is, the rest of the town didn't necessarily feel the same. Well, and um, there's clearly a division here between the town, Salem Town, and Salem Village. Uh, Salem Village is now actually the town of Danvers, Massachusetts. Um, so totally, totally different spot now. Um, the town is down by the harbor. Um, there's warehouses. There's merchant activity. There's shipping. Um, the villages is further west and there's a lot of farmland out there um now back in the day land meant money um people were granted lots of land to help support them especially people who were public servants um and the putnams had had a lot of ground that they uh worked with and their support of paris maybe made him more confrontational with the people who didn't like him um, so that was kind of exacerbated. Um, but the people who didn't like him eventually kind of coalesced and they decided that not only were they going to not pay for his, uh, you know, his salary, they were going to cut off his firewood too. This is the big thing in New England. It's a big thing in New England now, like just staying warm. Yeah, for sure, dude. But so back then, as Dan said earlier, it was, you know, at the end of the mini ice age, it was cold. These winters were rough. Paris was mad. So, guys, we have been getting deep, and it's getting cold, and I think it's time we should take a quick break. Yeah, let's head to break. fan of movies or comics or video games or just anything else nerdy well you should check out the zing Zing this This podcast Podcast. and that's spelled 
Z-E-N-G. This. And we have nerdy topics from comic book reviews to in-depth analysis of iconic nerdy movies, as well as video game discussions. Mm-hmm. Where's some of the best places to find us, Allie? Well, Podbean, of course. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Podcasts. Yeah. So check us out. Once again, that is Zing, Zing this. this. And we're back. So we were just talking about how the, the atmosphere that Samuel Paris was under. Um, Samuel Paris was the priest of Salem Town. Sorry, Salem Village. Um, and he is under immense pressure right now. Uh, it is getting cold. It is, um, you know, getting a little desolate. And most of the town members aren't giving him his firewood that it was inside his contract, was written into his contract. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, essentially people don't like the minister. They've decided to uh, freeze him out and they want him out of the parsonage, um, which has been deeded to him. Uh, they, they just don't like this guy. Um, and he was very fire and brimstone leading up to the events of January 1692 that really kick all of this off. Uh, if you look back, uh, some of his sermons are written down in the town book. And he is um, he's very agitated and he's very aggressive and uses a lot of warlike rhetoric. Yes. Um, about battling the devil. Um, and I, I think he's trying to act tough to his opponents, but you got to think his kid is like nine sitting in the audience, listening to these stories about battling the devil mm-hmm. and goes home to a father who is angry, um, who is i mean let's let's be honest a failure in most of his dealings we haven't gone into his personal life but um he he came up to massachusetts from barbados um he had inherited a plantation down there a sugar plantation and ran it into the ground (laughs) yeah this dude should have made money like back back in the day sugar planters made bank right So this is the equivalent of inheriting a company and just going yeah. bankrupt. Dude, the guy the guy went to Harvard, right? Dropped out. Um yeah, like he he has failed over and over and over again and now here he is in a backwater church, right? Um that he thought he had driven a hard bargain for to secure himself and now he is not secure. Yeah. Um, and now his, and now maybe his house is freezing. Yes. Now, one, one last fact about his history prior to coming here. Um, after he left the plantation, he sold everything, um, got, basically got out of there by the skin of his teeth, came to Boston. Boston, he opens a merchant company and isn't able to keep up with the rest of the merchants around him and fails at that, too. Yes, yeah, he he was not good <laughs> at a lot of the stuff he did, um, and m- maybe he wasn't that likable. I don't know. Um, clearly, like there were factions formed against him. Um, he was very strict, and he was a moral reformer. And there were some people who who gravitated towards that, but clearly, it wasn't enough to keep him warm. So, yeah, in January sixteen ninety two, the bewitching begins yes so we've got a lot of background uh we've got war we've got economics we've got climate we've got everything what what the hell kind of bewitching happens in the salem village parsonage lee like what does all of this precipitate so it it ultimately starts with samuel paris's daughter right so his daughter ends up going into fits, um, convulsions, if you will. And uh, Mr. Paris, to his, to his fairness, does not immediately jump to it being witches. The first thing he does is he consults the town doctor. Now, to be fair to this doctor, 
Um, he was just a guy in kind of an unfortunate situation. This wasn't a true medically trained doctor. And granted, medically trained doctors of the time weren't necessarily the uh, the most knowledgeable people. However, right, right. He was more along a guy, more along the lines of just a guy that kind of knew about medicine. He was like a nurse, maybe maybe not even yes. a nurse. Yes, the doctor assumed by history to be a to be a man named Griggs, uh, like William Griggs, I believe. Um, yeah. So yeah, he comes out. He checks out uh, Betty, little Betty Paris. She's nine years old. She is. Her limbs are contorting. She's like choking at times. Uh, can't speak. She says she's being poked by invisible pins. And this affliction also spreads to her cousin, who is living at the Paris household, 11-year-old Abigail Williams. Yes. Now, an interesting note about Abigail Williams is Abigail Williams is actually a, I guess the best way to put it is a refugee from Maine. And I don't want to bring too much into that at the moment, but she is a refugee from the wars that are going on. Um, Mm -hmm. And this spreads. And ultimately the doctor decides that, well, it must be witchcraft. These two young ladies have been bewitched. Right, right. And so um, these... Yeah, these investigations um, get pretty crazy. It starts out medical, right? Um, Mm -hmm. As medical as you can be in 1692. It's not like they could give the girls a CAT scan. Um, But even in in this day and age... Can you imagine a CAT scan in 1692, by the way? Just be like setting a cat on their chest and seeing what the cat does. I, I guess you could put a magnet next to their brain and then, like, guess <laughs> like that's the closest you could get to a cat scan um, <laughs> sorry but yeah so so the doctor of course he can't find anything um and you know what in cases of if you assume the salem witch trials are mass hysteria even modern science cannot really describe that very well so the doctor really had an uphill road in 1692. Oh, yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough road to hoe. Oh yeah, as I, they say. I absolutely don't blame the doctor <laughs> for this. I I can I can see myself in that position. Right, you basically know basic first aid, and you're you're asked to like diagnose this person that's having a seizure, essentially. <laughs> like right, you're like you're like you know what? I think she has bad blood. That suck it all out. <laughs> yeah, like. It must be ghosts in the blood. Like, you should do cocaine about it. Like, I prescribe leeches. <laughs> um, so yeah, things are, things start getting crazy. Uh, they bring in some ministers, and people check it out, um, and they're like, "Yeah, you know what? Those girls, they're bewitched." So um, it's interesting, though. At this point, um. Mr. Paris, Reverend Paris, uh, leaves, and I believe he goes down to Boston to try to get more help. Um, yes. And when he leaves, um, a really unfortunate event occurs. <laughs> Are you talking about the witch cake? I am talking about the witch cake. Now, I can't remember the neighbor, but there is a neighbor. Uh, her name was Mary Sibley. Mary Sibley. There is a neighbor, Mary Sibley, who is essentially put in charge of the household at that time. Um, And she is basically asked to look over the kids. Uh, Well, Mary Sibley um, decides and kind of takes it upon herself to, I guess, um, use an old remedy from back in her day, I guess, um, which consists of some interesting... uh, Ingredients, Lee. Th- let's not beat around the bush, okay? It's a piss cake. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's not she beat suggests the bush. to the um, the Paris's servant um, girl, I one only referred to as Tichiba. Um, she's she's a got slave. one name. She's like Cher. She's like the Cher of this story. Yes. 
Now, Tichibana, or Rihanna. Or Rihanna, yes. Yeah, she's more like the Rihanna. Only referred to as Tichiba Indian. Um, and some of the more contemporary views uh, view her as a, um, as, a, as a black slave because that's what we, we are used to. However, she is more likely of Native American descent. Um, in fact, most likely from Barbados of, you know, I, I don't know what they would be. Barbados. Right. Yes. Oh. There, there is like a record of her sale uh, to the Parises in Barbados. Um, so, or they like the name slightly different. It's like written down as Tatchuba, uh-huh. but um, you know, it's assumed that that's where she was acquired. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Tichuba bakes this piss cake, um, because. Well, she's trying to help her master. She's trying to, she's trying to be useful in this situation. She's trying to help solve the problem, and you also have to take into account that she is from a culture, and like you know, until she was you know, ultimately sold, she's from a culture that believes in this kind of stuff as well. You know, magic was huge in everywhere at this time. Yes, um, and that's something that. Um is in a lot of my research that I saw. White magic was very common, even amongst the Puritans. Um, now, magic, any form of magic, is seen as a gateway for the devil. That's why some religious people are still very opposed to Harry Potter. Right? Because any magic is bad. If it doesn't come from God, if it's not a miracle, then it's bad. Um, so... <laughs> Um, white magic was it, white magic could be something as simple as a horseshoe turned right side up to you know catch evil spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, they would they would put these eel forks in their house. They looked kind of like the devil's trident. They were a little three fork mm-hmm. deal you used to like spear a fish or something like that. Uh huh. Um, they would hide them like in the in the roof beams of their house in the main beams of the roof um and that was supposed to ward off the devil there was all kinds of little things like this um that people just did back in the day um even though it was you know not it was taboo amongst the puritan culture um but people people still did them because they believed in magic like they thought all this invisible world of spirits and demons and devils was real and they had to ward it off some way. Exactly. So Tichiba bakes this piss cake and they feed it to the family dog. Exactly. Because the dog, once he eats this bread, and it's rye bread, it wasn't really a cake, it's like a rye bread that mm-hmm. has some piss mixed in. <laughs> um... Okay, to clarify, this is piss of the afflicted girls. Yes, 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 yes. Um, It's got to be from the afflicted girls, Lee. That's the important part. That's the science of it. Because it's weird how the science of this works, right, in people's brains back then. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, the witchcraft is some kind of, it's not entirely supernatural. It could be some kind of particle it could be some kind of voodoo. It could be some kind of ether. Like, it's something that's in you now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you can pass into your water. And then uh, if you bake it into a cake and feed it to a dog, now the dog can, like, sense where that affliction came from. And it's going to go find the witch. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I Say, sick him, boy. Sick him, boy. Find the witch. Where is she? Get him, boy. <laughs> is the witch in the well, Lassie? Is the witch in the well? <laughs> Do you need more pea bread, boy? <laughs> Eat some more bread, boy. You'll find that witch. Okay. So, back to the seriousness of this. Spoiler alert. It doesn't work. What? Yeah. Um, Paris comes back. The girls are still afflicted. In fact, they may be acting worse than they were pr- 
prior to him leaving. Right, because now witchcraft and magic have entered the fray, and Paris is pissed. He's like, any magic done in his house is bad, as a bad reflection on him. He's a minister. Uh-huh. So he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, this has opened the door to the devil, and now the girls are going nuts. Yes. So, Paris gets upset. Paris starts making some accusations. The girls start making some accusations. He starts asking questions. Who has been afflicting you? And unfortunately, the girls start naming names. And, you know, I think this whole witch cake incident really colored Paris's um, accusations, probably, because, and the girls, too, uh, because who do they name? Not their nice old neighbor lady, Mary Sibley, um, but the servant who baked the cake. Yeah. So. So. She's now the one being accused of witchcraft. Old Tichaba. Now, um, side note, Lee, really quick. Um, in popular culture, a lot of people know about the Salem witch trials from the film or the play, The Crucible. Have you ever seen it? I have actually not. But I heard a lot uh, about it in my research. Yeah, so we did like The Crucible in high school, like my junior year or something like that. So that was a long time ago, but we did watch the movie. Um, I mean, it's got Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, come on, you can't beat that. Um, but the script of the play takes, uh, even though it says it's historically accurate, it is not historically accurate. Um, they change Abigail Williams's age to 17 so -hmm. that she can have an affair with a grown man who's John Proctor Mm -hmm. portrayed by Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, so like that part wasn't true. Um, her and Betty are like fortune telling with Tichiba and like, that's how all these accusations get passed down in the play. Um, but there's actually no evidence of this fortune telling or the, uh, affair. I mean, the girl was 11, like she wasn't having any affairs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tichiba is being questioned. And initially she denies it. Right. Um they and they brought up they brought up some heavies. Um so this this period of investigation isn't actually a trial. No. Um everyone's everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. Um and they bring up some heavies. Um I believe like the deputy governor Danforth Mm -hmm. gets brought up for this thing. Um, So there are a lot of big time male officials Mm -hmm. in this meeting questioning a slave girl. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, In a system that is extremely patriarchal. Um, And uh, I mean, do any of these people give two shits about Tichiba? No. <laughs> no. No. So, Tichiba initially denies it. And then that, that particular inquest, that day of inquest, ends. And, uh, at least according to my research, the Parises go home. The next day, however, Tichiba is significantly more willing to discuss the situation. Am I wrong, Dan? Uh, well, so I didn't I didn't get that deep in the research, Lee, but it is the thing is uh, all of these girls live in a house with a minister. Uh-huh. And these witchcraft stories that circulated around New England and cases of witchcraft even from England mm-hmm. um would not be unknown to them um the the biggest witch hunts in england 
happened in the East Anglia region that was dominated by Puritans. So Puritan writings from England would be in the Paris household. Um, he would know about witchcraft. Um, I mean, he's a minister. Um, the girls would know about witchcraft. So uh, Tituba would know. Um, there was a very strong emphasis in New England on reading. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, some of the some of the literacy rates that the Puritans had are are shockingly good, like better than countries nowadays. Yeah. Um, now they couldn't necessarily write, but they could read great. Right, and and this emphasis was from reading the Bible for yourself, so yeah. everyone was taught to read. Um, and so not only could they hear these stories from their minister father, who was very fire and brimstone, very war against the devil, right? It, it's, it's strange. It's weirdly how a guy who's talking about war with Satan suddenly has witchcraft in his home and can crusade against Satan. Wait. You're telling me it may have been like some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy? You know, it's weird, right? It's weird. And I'm not saying he he coaxed these girls into faking it. Um because he I mean, he probably didn't. There's a chance he did. Mhm. There there's a chance he did, but um this is you know, Abigail Williams had come from Maine. She had seen war. Um She's living in a home where they might be cold. Like, like she she could have died in one of these attacks, frozen to death, starved, um, been murdered by Indians, mm-hmm. right? And now she might freeze in this house. Like, it's not it's not weird if this kid had PTSD. Yeah. Right? And then you've got another nine year old girl right next to her that's hearing her go through this this pain and torture. Right. Right. And And, hearing her father, mm -hmm. who is going through all kinds of issues, too. Yeah. So she's getting it from all around in the house. It's not surprising that she would also act up. Yes. Now, here is one thing that I am willing to say. I am willing to say that in my belief, they went back to the Paris household and Paris beat a confession out of Tichuba and basically got Tichaba to a point where she was just ready to say whatever was going to stop the pain and mm-hmm. keep herself from being hung, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's where things start to go off the rails. Yeah, um, she she comes in and she she spills the beans and she gives the the judges the, the investigators, these are really investigators at this time, a textbook description of how witchcraft works in, uh, according to Puritan the ideas beliefs. of New Englanders. Yeah. Um, she says that she was approached by the devil and that she signed his book and that she sent her specter to torment these two little girls. Um, See, Lee, back in the day, if you didn't want to go, like, torture somebody and you were a witch in league with the devil, you could just send your spirit out to go do your dirty work. It's much like uh, remote viewing, only with uh, some physical abilities involved. Yes, real physical interaction. Um, And um, she had... She had familiars, um, like animals had come and spoken to her um, on behalf of the devil to convince her to sign the devil's book. Um, and it's crazy how how signing the devil's book is such a big deal in these trials that yes. follow. Yes. Now, um, here's the thing. Tichipa not only confesses to her signing the devil's book, she, through further investigation, um, and I say that with uh, hopefully implied air quotes, starts to name some names. Um, and it starts with two other women. 
Um, Dan, do you remember oh, the Oh, Lee. Lee. I do remember Lee. But we are pushing an hour on this show. I think what we need to do is take a quick break, recap, and then split it in two. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after these messages from our friends at Fourth Hand. Welcome to the trailer for What the Suck Podcast. Do you like movies? Do you like horror movies? You know, movies like Exorcist 2 and The Bye Bye Man. Well, those of you still with us are just the weirdos we want. We watch all the terrible, no good, so bad they are bad movies you never knew existed. Have you seen Wish Upon, I Am Zozo, Creepshow 3 perhaps? You haven't? Well, lucky for you, we have, and we are here to tell you all about them because we believe that no matter how bad a movie is, it should be watched. Someone put at least some effort into these, and bad movies deserve love, too. And boy, do we love watching them. So, please join us, your host Chris and James, on What the Suck Podcast for a weekly discussion of all things bad, good, good, bad, 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 so bad they are good, so good they are bad, so bad they are bad, and Gary Busey. <laughs> Found That's every- my best Busey. <laughs> Found- I don't know if that works. But- it works for me. Found everywhere podcasts can be listened to. And we're back. We are almost done with our first part of the Salem Witch Trials. Before we go, Lee, tell us a little bit about what we've learned about Salem. All right. We have learned that Salem is a town split by two families that uh, just completely disagree in essentially just about everything. But not only that, we are now in a in a in a town um, in called Salem Village that has been split off from Salem Town, and we are in a place of extreme fear, extreme fanaticism, um, extreme cold and pressure on the essentially the the main driving like leadership in the town um, in the, in the priest of Samuel Paris, uh, because that's how these towns were made up. Like Samuel Paris was essentially the mayor. Um, and we are in war with uh, native Americans and the French, and we have devils all around us. Um, yes, we have identified one of them. That is a great way to put it, Lee. Devils all around. Um, and, in fact, the, the writers of the time saw it as, as a storm um, brewing from an invisible world. It just turned out that the invisible world wasn't, like, this spiritual realm. It was all in their heads. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, par- the paranoia, the fear, um, just it, it was all from economic factors from legal factors from climate um and yeah i mean fear of actual war and death and uh indian attack um and this drive for moral reform that all blend together to create really a powder keg in salem village yes and that's essentially where we're gonna leave off today um Yes, we have we have primed this thing, and next weekly it is going to explode. Oh yeah, it goes crazy next week, guys. We need you to come back and keep tuning in for more tales from out there beyond terrestrial. Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial, all three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at beyondterrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Funk Master B's bachelor pad, which for now is also where these giant turkeys record this show. This show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Root. 
Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.